Welcome to Marksman, a podcast for men who have been marked by Christ and who are aiming their lives at Christ's likeness. I'm Mark Spellman, your host. I want to welcome you to the podcast today. So glad that you've taken the time to just hit that play button and listen and join the conversation. But I want you to do more than listen, men. I want you to reach out to me. I want you to send me an email. I want you to email me at spellmanministries at gmail.com s-p-e-l-l-m-a-n ministries plural at gmail.com i want to hear from you i want to hear what the program's doing for you i want to hear testimonies i want you to brag on the lord i want to share your testimonies on the program i want you to send me your prayer requests things that we can pray and agree with you here at family mission i'll pray for you our family will pray for you we'll get our prayer force here at family mission praying for you and also if you would please go do me a little favor check out the website go to spellmanministries.org check out the resources check out the content Look at the family mission, mission objectives. There's seven of them. You can learn about what that's all about. Also, this is what I'm really wanting to, to ask you for. Give us your email. Just go there, click the click the button that says, um, either says update or it says uh, newsletter. Just click that button. Give us your email. And what will happen next is you'll get an email once a week on Monday, sometime Monday, it'll be a short devotional called the Family Mission Devotional. And it's just a conversation starter, men. It'll allow you to um, have conversation with the Lord, conversation with your spouse, conversation with your family and friends and buddies, what what have you. But that's what we want to send to you. We want to just put that in your, in your hands each Monday if you'll give us your email address. And then occasionally you may get an update outside of those emails and uh, with, you know, Family Mission, Spelman Ministries, what we're doing, and how you can, uh, um, you know, just be connected with it. Maybe we're going to be in your area having a meeting or something like that, and we'll send those updates out. But here we are. It's another Thursday, and just so glad you're tuned in. Now, you may not be listening on Thursday. You might be grabbing this as a as a replay, but we go live each uh, each Thursday with a new program. It's been recorded, and uh, so here we are, and I could not get away from something we cracked open last week. We um, wasn't sure that we would stay in that direction, but after praying about it and just keeping it before the Lord, I I think we're going to go back to Ephesians. Now, if, even if you missed last week, this week stands alone. You don't have to, you're not going to, you know, feel out of place like, well, man, I don't know what was said last week. No, well, Number one, you can go back and listen to it. <laughs> Feel free to go back, hit the play button, look at the archives, you know, listen to last week. We kind of just began to step into this uh, discussion here in Ephesians 1. But um, also just stay tuned in today. Just listen. We we try to keep these podcasts right at 30 minutes. And so we, we really work to not go beyond that. And last several weeks, we haven't kept it right around 25, 30 minutes. But it's just a good time to spend together. But let's get back into Ephesians 1. And uh, there was one thing that we, we started with last week as we launched into Ephesians 1. And believe it or not, it was 2 Timothy 3. So we need to go there first, 2 Timothy 3. You know, the word is just so interconnected. It's so interrelated. It's so interdependent. It's kind of like the the systems in your body. You know, you got your respiratory system. You got your muscular system. 
got your skeletal system, you got your nervous system, and on digestive system, and that's about the end of my AMP knowledge. But anyway, you got all these systems in your body. They're interrelated, they're interconnected, and they're interdependent. Isn't that beautiful? I didn't think of that. That was just something the Lord taught me one time. He, when I was reading First Corinthians twelve, he talked to me about the systems of the body, how they're interrelated, interconnected, and interdependent. Well, that's the scripture. The scriptures that way. You know, you get into one scripture and you have three others spark and start blowing up in your heart. You know, and that's just the the words alive. It's it's living. It's breathing. It's it's light. It's like a diamond, and you just turn it just a little bit, and you'll get a different different sparkle off the same truth. And so we are going to Ephesians 1, but I do want to start in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 7. Here's what Paul says to Timothy. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable. That's going to mean it's going to benefit. The Bible's beneficial. The, The scripture is beneficial. It's profitable. It's profitable. I want to say that again. The word of God that has been breathed by the Holy Ghost, it's profitable. It's profitable for doctrine, that's teaching. It's profitable for reproof. It's profitable for correction. And it's profitable for instruction in righteousness. So as we get into Ephesians 1, we're going to see a lot of instruction in righteousness. And that's one of the main emphasis of that. But it also is going to bring some correction. And it may even reprove some religious things that we might have held on to that were not even really uh, of the Spirit of God or of the Spirit of love or of the Spirit of Christ or of grace. But anyway, the Scripture, breathed by God, it's profitable to teach, to reprove, to correct, to instruct in righteousness that, that the man of God, and that's you, you man of God, that the man of God may be perfect. That doesn't mean flawless. It means mature or maturing, that you might be mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I like the sound of that, thoroughly furnished. How many like having a garage that's thoroughly Furnished. <laughs> Amen. How I many like to have a game room thoroughly furnished, right? How <laughs> I many like to have a car or truck with all the options, right? I mean, I know it's it's cool. Just get one. You got to crank the windows down. I, I get it. But I'm saying it's it's also pretty cool to have a truck thoroughly furnished, right? Well, God wants us with all the options. It's like, yeah, you can, you can, you can get by with a crank, you know, window, you know, you know, a, you know, manual locks. You got to reach over and lift it and unlock and let your passengers in. You know, it's not sinful. It's not wrong. It's just a little inconvenient. God, though, wants you to have all the options. He wants you to be fully furnished. Amen. Fully furnished. In Ephesians one, you begin digging in that like we began last week. We will be thoroughly furnished, thoroughly blessed. And it all begins in verse 3, Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Something he's already done. He has blessed us. So if he has blessed us, 
I am blessed. You are blessed. As a Christ follower, as a born-again child of God, He did this in Christ. In Christ you died, in Christ you were raised, and in Christ you are seated in heavenly places. In fact, make a quick jump over to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, 1. You has He quickened. It's talking about in Christ. You has He quickened in Christ. Those, you who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation and conduct in times past with the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, when we were by nature the children of wrath, just like the others. Like Romans says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 4 But God, but God who is rich in mercy, he's fully furnished with mercy. God who is rich in mercy with his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, even when we were dead in our sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace, you are saved. You ever heard that phrase, by grace, we are saved? It's tied to what he just said right here. The fact that while we were dead in our sins, while we were dead in our sins, God did something for us. And he raised us. He quickened us. That means he made us alive together with Christ. So in in God's mind, in God's economy, what he did in Christ, he did in you. I want to say that again. In God's mind, in God's economy, what he did in Christ, he did in you. And he did in me. He raised us up. Now, verse 6, I'm rolling on. He raised us up together, made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In Christ. That's the key to the whole thing. In Christ Jesus. He loved us while we were still sinners, but he actually did something for us. We just didn't know that he had done it. We had actually had a move of address. We just didn't know it. That's why the gospel had to come and be preached to us. And through the foolishness of preaching, God chose to reach out to those who would believe the gospel and believe that what Jesus did, he didn't do it for himself. He was already with God. He was already with God and glorified. No, he did everything he did for us. And so in the mind of God, in the economy of God, what God did in Christ, he did in us. What God did in Christ, he did for us. That's why he could say, you're blessed. He blessed us according as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holding without blame before him in love. We talked about that last week. I'm not going to dig again into that, though I'm very, very tempted. (laughs) But you can go back last week and pick that up. But verse 5, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Again, that's that choosing. It's that choosing. I didn't get to choose Samuel or Daniel. That was God's choice. But how does adoption work? Adoption means you choose that child. 
you learn something about him, you have some experience with him. There's something that goes into the fact that you as a mom and dad, you as a parent are going to choose that child. So we're, we belong to God by way of choice and of course, by way of birth, new birth. So we have the best of both worlds. We're actually born of God, but now he's expressing the idea that not only are we born of him and our spirit came from him and we're reborn by the Holy Ghost and cleansed by the blood of Jesus, now he's helping us to realize beyond that, he actually chose us. I heard it explained this way one time, and I love this explanation. You know, we belong to God by right of creation. God created us. God created man. God created my spirit. God created my body. Just by right of creation, I belong to him. And even though I rejected him, ran away from him, you know, like all of us did, we all sinned. We read about that in Ephesians 2. You know, we all, what did it say? Um, We all were under the power, the prince of the power of the air. We all had our conduct in the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, desires of the flesh and the mind. And we were all children of wrath. So that that was all of us. We all took the free will, free choice that God gave us, our sovereign will, and we used it on ourselves. We didn't use it for our God-given purpose. We use it to just for ourselves. And so we... We, of course, uh, like the prodigal, we wasted what God gave us. Well, we're still his. We belong to him by right of creation. He created us, but then he loved us so much that he's going to choose us again. How many of you had to choose us to create us? He didn't, like, accidentally create us. <laughs> we're compared to, like, he's the pot or we're the clay. So if, if he made us, it was a choice to make what he made. So even the fact that he made us, that was a choice. But then when we rejected him and rejected who he was and sold ourselves cheap and, and fell short of the glory of God, and he still chose us. He, he kept choosing us, and he sent Jesus to redeem us. So then we can understand it this way. We're his by right of creation. That's what we've established. But then through the blood of Jesus, if you choose to believe, then you become his by right of redemption. So he owns us twice over. He owns us by right of creation, and he owns us by right of redemption. <laughs> We're his. He's, he's made some choices here. He's made some calculated choices to create us and a calculated choice to redeem us. Because you know what? At the end of the day, for me to be destroyed and doomed, all God would ever have to do is just leave me alone. And you too. That's all God would have to do. Just leave us alone. Stop convicting us. Stop convincing us. Stop dealing with us. We talked about, you know, a couple of weeks ago about the the patience that God has for us, the incredible long suffering of the Lord towards us. I mean, all God have, would have to do is just draw the line and say, that's it. I'm finished. And stop pursuing us. Stop choosing us. In other words, stop dealing with us, convicting us of our sin or convicting us of, of you know where we're missing it. If he just left me alone, I'm doomed because I can't find my home, my way home without him. I don't know if you've ever been lost before. I mean, like out in the woods, lost, and it's dark, and there's no lights. It can be a a feeling. If you don't have a place to hunker down safely, it can be an 
nerving feeling to not know your way back. And that's one way, one of the reasons we're called lost. Because really, we don't get home without him. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father except through him. I don't get home on my own. You don't get home on your own. Nobody gets home on their own. Nobody finds their way home without him leading them, him guiding them, him convincing them, him drawing them, him wooing them, or you could say him choosing them. If God just stopped the the choosing, then we would never have a choice to make. The only reason I had a choice and I could decide to follow Jesus is because he never stopped choosing me. No matter what I did, he never stopped choosing me. He never stopped pursuing me. He never stopped dealing with me. And so then finally, when I finally gave up on myself to save myself, to find the way back home by myself, there he was saying, huh, glad you finally gave up. Here I am. Follow me. Isn't that what Jesus said? Follow me. Why? Because he and he alone can take us home. He and he alone can take us back to where we're supposed to be and where we're called to be. And so all this choosing God has done, choosing to create us, choosing to redeem us, choosing to pursue us, choosing to never give up on us. I mean, God be praised. Amen, men. He is choosing us. We are the good pleasure of his will. Verse six to the praise. We're, Back in Ephesians 1, verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, and having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure which he has purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one that is in Christ all things in Christ, both things that are in heaven and things that are in earth, even in him. Man, we got a future, man. We got a future not only in this earth, but beyond, beyond what the book of Revelation describes as a new heaven and a new earth wherein righteousness dwell. Everything's going to be brought back together in Him. And so we have the privilege right now of coming to Him. We have the privilege right now of believing in Him. We have the privilege right now of following Him. We have the privilege right now of knowing Him. Glory be to God. So let's keep rolling. Back in Ephesians 1, now verse 11. In whom... See, a lot of things, it's interesting, it's a great, great study to go through the Bible and see all the references, and it's particularly in Paul's writings. See, Paul had a direct revelation of Jesus Christ. He didn't go to school. He went away after that road to Damascus. He went away, and he directly received revelation from the Lord. He said, no man taught me. He said, everything I preached, everything I've taught, it was by a revelation of Jesus Christ. And there's something very distinct about all Paul's teachings, every one of his letters, the verbiage in him, in whom, in Christ, through whom. This, you know, 
the the good news that Paul brings, one person said it this way. I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, he was a great general decades and generations ago. He said the power of the gospel is in the prep prepositions. <laughs> I'm not going to give you an English lesson, but I need to, I do need to des- describe what I just said. The power of the gospel is in the preposition. What do prepositions do? They show relationship to the noun. You know, talk about a house. I can go through the house. I can go in the house. I can go over the house. I can go by the house. I can go to the house. Every one of those little prepositions describe a different experience. Same house, but my relationship to it is different. And that's the preposition. And that's why this this great man of God said the power of the gospels in the prepositions. Well, this particular uh, guy did a lot of study in what's called the Pauline epistles, all the epistles written by Paul, because in his epistles, that verbiage is so repetitive, so distinct. It's this relationship to Christ that we're in him and he's in us. And, and and this is beautiful because I want you to consider this. Go with me, please, to John chapter 17, because actually that fact that Paul constantly references us being in him, him being in us or, or with him and in whom, all that verbiage that shows that specific relationship we have with Christ, it's actually an answer to the prayer that Jesus prayed for you and I, right before he went to Golgotha. He had just went through John 13, 14, 15, 16, talking with his disciples at the Last Supper, you know, washed their feet, talked to them, Judas betrayed him, all that went down. And then before he leaves and breaks up, you know, ends the evening and goes to Gethsemane to pray, he prays for the men there. And in John 17, it's recorded to beautiful, powerful prayer. But I'm just going to go right down to verse 20, John 17, 20, and I want you to see specifically how this describes the verbiage Paul uses. Here's what it says in John 17, 20. Jesus said, I'm not praying for you alone, meaning the disciples there that night, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. And that's you and I. We all believe today because of their testimony. Their testimony, those 12 apostles of the Lamb. Of course, you know, uh, Judas had to be replaced. But I'm saying those 12 apostles and the replacement of Judas, their testimony has survived all these generations. And here you and I are today believing and following Jesus because of their testimony. And so Jesus says, I'm going to pray for everyone who will believe on me through their word. That, there's that word of consequence, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they also may be one in us. See that word in? That's that preposition. That's the same preposition Paul uses over and over and over and over to describe our relationship with Christ, that we're actually in Christ and Christ is in us. And that was the answer to Jesus' prayer, because Jesus prayed that they would all be one as you, Father, are in me, and as I'm in you, that they also would be one in us. And then Jesus says, 
this would cause the world to believe that you had sent me. So this revelation of being in Christ is one of the greatest fuel sources to you and I living evangelistically and as a witness of Christ and allowing the world to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And as men, you know, we need to give this witness at home. We need to give this witness at work. We need to give this witness everywhere we go. But one of the great things that fuels that witness is a revelation and an understanding that I'm not just with Jesus, you know, in in distance. He's actually in me and I'm in him and we together are in the Father. That, Jesus said, would cause the world to believe that he was sent. And then he repeats it. He repeats it. Verse 22, John 17, 22. And the glory that you gave me, I've given them. That's Holy Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit, but he gave the Holy Spirit. He breathed on him in John 20. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts chapter 2, he sent the Holy Spirit and then baptized them with the Holy Ghost and fire. So the glory he had, he gave them. That, there's that consequence word, that they may be one, even as we are one. The Father in him, and he in the Father. I in them, thou in me, that's what he goes into, I in me, and thou in me, I in them, thou in me, that they may be made perfect, and that's that word mature again, in one, that the world may know that you've sent me, and have loved them as you've loved me. So you can see then where Paul speaks from in Ephesians, you can go back over to Ephesians, where Paul speaks from is actually proof of the answer of Paul's prayer. I'm not Paul, of Jesus' prayer. And isn't it good to know Jesus has prayed for you? He specifically prayed for anyone who would believe on him through the testimony of those apostles. And that's what the Bible has given us. It gives us the witness of those apostles. And we believe on Jesus because of that testimony, because of these scriptures, because of the evidence of their lives. We believe. And Jesus has prayed for all who would believe on him through those words that we would be one with him, just like he was with the Father. Just like he was in the Father and the Father was in him, we would be in him. He prayed it twice, John 17, 20 through 22. Read it again and again and again and let it just comb through your heart. Let it comb all the rats and all the all the little tangles, you know, you got tangled up in your heart and mind, man. Just let the fact that Jesus prayed for you, let that answer a lot of questions in your life. Let that answer a lot of fear in your life. Let that answer a lot of things coming against you right now. Just knowing Jesus has prayed for me. Well, Jesus isn't the only one who's prayed for you. I've prayed for you. In fact, when we enter into prayer, prayer is a timeless thing. We can pray in and outside of time. And I know that the fact that I'm walking with Jesus, like I'm walking with Jesus, loving my wife, loving my family, it's because somebody prayed for me. It may have been my parents. I know they did. It may have been other people, and I know others have. And I know even people I don't even know when they prayed in the Holy Ghost, God took their prayers and they prayed for me. We've been prayed for. Jesus has prayed for us. Saints of old have prayed for us. We are, we are working in prayer. And we at Family Mission, we've prayed for you. Our families prayed for you. And so together, 
together, we're going to press into everything God wants for us. He wants our life fully furnished. I want to come back to that as we close. God wants our life fully furnished. And so don't fight that. Don't be mad at that. Don't don't let that interpret in some weird way. Just know. God wants your life fully furnished, and that can mean something different for each and every man listening. But whatever it is, whatever means fully furnished to you, God wants your life fully furnished. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every man under the sound of my voice, because you have highlighted that, you have emphasized that, you have spotlighted that. And so I'm going to come into agreement right now that their lives would be fully furnished furnished. Hallelujah. That the word of God they study, that the word of God they hear, that the word of God that is spoken to them, even this here today would be a part of equipping them and instructing them in righteousness, that they would be a man of God, fully furnished unto every good work. Well, man, our time is up. It's been another great time together around the word of God. Thank you for joining the podcast today. Thank you for being a part of the conversation. Hope you'll share this podcast with your friends and your buddies. But most of all, I pray that you keep your life aimed at Christ-likeness. It is the privilege of being marked by Christ.